Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. You are watching and listening to the Belly of Fantasy Live Football Edition this Tuesday night because we're back as promised. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined with Adam LaRue, Chris Dowhauer, and Chad, Mr. At FF Coffee Break. How are we all doing tonight? Good, good. Ready to talk some football. I'm excited. We got Dynasty Rankings, Top 10 Wide Receivers, Top 8 Rookie Tight Ends. We'll talk about that, and then that'll be kind of it as far as the Dynasty talk goes. In a couple of weeks, we'll be back. We'll start transitioning into the 2021 season because it's here, guys. OTAs are upon us. So excited, and we have a lot of football news to talk about because before we even get into the rookies of today's show, we got to talk about the big thing on the rocket docket, of course, which is Julio Jones going to the Tennessee Titans, leaving the Atlanta Falcons, putting in a lot of fantasy implications on both teams, on both sides. So let's kick it off with Adam. What is your initial reaction to this Julio Jones trade? Well, as a Colts fan, it's disappointment for sure. (laughs) Uh, Not at all happy to have Julio Jones in the division. Uh, He's still got it. Uh, You know, he might be at some, you know, at this point in his career, someone who misses a game or two and you just, you expect that you live with it. Uh, But I don't, I don't really believe in the whole injury prone thing. I think that is a step further than I would take it. Uh, but even if it's a game or two, you know, he's still going to rock it. Uh, the, the, the games he's there uh, in terms of the fantasy value on the Titans. Uh, it's, I don't think it shakes things up too much. A lot of people had AJ Brown as dynasty wide receiver one. And I think, you know, maybe you drop him a peg or two down, but he's still a wide receiver one, just not quite the wide receiver one potentially. Uh, Julio Jones, I think, is probably in the the Titans offense, the uh, high-end wide receiver, too, maybe. I think the biggest jump that happens to anyone because of Julio Jones, and I imagine you guys will agree with me here, is the Ryan Tannehill, who I, I think, uh, you know, could continue to be super, super efficient. Julio Jones is definitely a massive upgrade over Corey Davis. Oh, a massive upgrade. Yeah, I'll, I'll save my thoughts for the end. Chris, what was your take, both the Atlanta, Tennessee side, Julio Jones? We, we had so many things to examine when this trade went down. Well, first, I was, I'm was i still definitely still bitter. I really wanted to see Julio Jones beat Atlanta with Pitts and Ridley and kind of see that offense, you know, at full throttle and see kind of visions of the old Vikings team, which Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed back in the day. So I was hoping to see some kind of, you know, spectacular – matchup there offensive for Atlanta. But um, I think Tennessee was a brilliant move. 
I think the rest of the league should have kicked themselves in, you know, in the butt in a sense for not making a similar move uh, out on top of the Colts. I think the Colts should have definitely been aggressive in this situation. I'm sure you, Dan, probably wish your 49ers were also aggressive in this situation. Um, So it also kind of shows you how cap space can be avoided. You've seen the Saints do it for years. Tennessee supposedly didn't have a lot of cap room, but somehow they magically still build an Julio's contract. Um, Fantasy-wise, I think that, you know, Adam hit kind of on the head with with the A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown does take a little, you know, a little bit of a slip. You can't expect him to be featured quite as much. Um, but I do think Julio Jones is still going to have a lot of value because not only is he replacing Corey Davis, he's replacing you know, Janu Smith in a lot of ways too. So I think that you have a production, you can kind of combine those two guys together and see similar production coming from Julio. Well, I think Janu Smith's the key because I actually put this comment out there, I believe it was on Reddit, and it went off like wildfire. And it was just, it was simple as, now that Julio Jones is off of Atlanta and he went to Tennessee, is he allowed to score touchdowns? Is he allowed <laughs> to be in the red zone? Can he catch the ball? Can he be the big man? What, uh, what do you think, Chad, about this whole situation? I think he's going to have a touchdown uh, record season coming up here with uh, Tannehill. I don't see how he can't, but you know, I, I like to joke it was Arthur Smith's last gift to Tennessee because him and Julio actually have the same agent. So I'm sure he was aware somehow that he Julio hasn't been happy with Atlanta going into uh, this coming season. So I, I was expecting a trade. I was hoping Seattle, but Tennessee, I think, is the best uh, other fit for them. Yeah, I mean, look, I was hoping like Green Bay, but there was no way the cap space was going to work out ultimately. I knew that, but it would have been very nice to see that. However, we get I get a mini version of the most monstrous wide receiver core you could possibly have with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I mean, that team in general, if there's not a team in the NFL, it is the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans have an identity on offense because that is the biggest most physical skill set of players you could possibly have between Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry, the efficiency of Ryan Tannehill. This pretty much ensures that even though you might lose Arthur Smith, you have a very good chance that you are going to be just as efficient in the red zone as what you were before. And again, I'm expecting Julio to have his touchdowns go up. Not his yards, not his catches. He takes hits in targets. He takes hits in volume, ultimately, but his touchdowns may rise, and that may ultimately save his fantasy value. This, we're still talking about we have two guys on this team that even with Derrick Henry could still be wide receiver ones. If not, one will be a wide receiver one. One will be a wide receiver two. It's just a matter of how that meshes out. I'd imagine it be A.J. Brown because he already has the chemistry there at Ryan Tannehill. But ultimately, you're still targeting all the Tennessee-relevant players, and Ryan Tannehill takes a step up. On the flip side of that, you go to Atlanta – and I don't want to get too much into this because we're going to talk about this on, on Friday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. But Kyle Pitts, his touchdowns don't really rise for me. His yards, his targets might, and the same thing goes. But the big story I want to focus on with the Falcons is Calvin Ridley because he was a menace when there was no Julio Jones out there last year. I mean, the guy was on pace for over 1,700 yards had you taken that seven-game stretch and prorated out over a 16-game season without Julio Jones. So Calvin Ridley becomes probably higher ranked in my book than A.J. Brown or Julio Jones or anybody from that sense. And it didn't really matter that Matt Ryan was the worst quarterback. He still got Calvin Ridley the ball. Anybody have a comment? Yeah, Yeah. I I think... 
Ridley I think we all agree and, uh, with you. <laughs> Ridley and Davis are definitely in Atlanta, the two that, that benefit here the most. I, I know I've seen a lot of the same that you were talking about of the, the pits, uh, his value rising. First of all, his value for a rookie tight end is already absurd. Like it already was absurd prior to Julio leaving. And, and second of all, I, I think you're right. I think the touchdowns didn't really change much. I think Mike Davis and Calvin Ridley are the ones that benefit the most from Julio being out of the picture. Yeah, 100% want to shout out to Mike Brown, our fearless leader checking in on us, and Joe Flawless. Thank you for having you guys on while we do this. And while you're watching, let's put out the Manscaped. We got Manscaped, guys. We got Manscaped every time we do the show. And I want to let you know, Father's Day is right around the corner, so you probably need a gift for that very, very hairy dad of yours. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and they just launched that Lawnmower 4.0. So imagine your dad's surprise when he receives a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says, your balls will thank you, on the box. Just imagine that face when he opens up on Father's Day. So get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. So let's jump into it, guys. After we recap that, let's jump into what the wide receivers are going to be across the board. These are our rookie dynasties. We are 100% across the board, all in the anonymous decision that Jamar Chase is definitely the wide receiver one to have. Does anybody want to play devil's advocate to that in any capacity? I can see no. the only go challenge. Like a com- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say the only challenge I can come up with is that I do think Jalen Waddle won't be far behind. I think he's going to have instant chemistry also with Tua. Um, we see you know the college connection once again, kind of that you know Chase has as well. well hold on, I'm going to stop but you right there. Save, gonna- save your argument. I'm going to stop you right there because it is time. If I can ever find it here. Because as you can see from that, you had Chris and I have Jalen Wallet number two, Adam and Chad both had Devonta Smith at number two. So let's face this thing off. All right, Chris, go ahead with your argument of why Jalen Waddle is over Devonta Smith at the number two position. Well, like I said, I think that he has instant you know connection with Tua. I think that when you look at the offense in Miami, he's going to play a lot of the slot. I think that Will Forrest was last you know last year a deal only a one year deal basically. Parker, we're kind of curious to see what his future will be. Waddle's not going anywhere anytime soon, and I think he'll be the key part of Miami's offensive attack. I think overall they have a better offensive playmakers in place to help kind of help them transition. I think the Eagles, when you're talking about twice, you know, Smith, I think he's going to see a lot of coverage, especially as a rookie right off the bat. They really don't have anybody that's a threat necessarily other than Goddard, in my opinion, that's going to really going to command attention. So I think he's going to have a little bit of a harder time trying to be as productive. I think Jalen Waddle's going to kind of be facing that third corner quite often and be able to just, you know, destroy him. Chad, what's your rebuttal? You know, I do not disagree. I think Chase will be the better play next year. Absolutely. But if we're talking dynasty, I'm taking Smith. He has the talent and the draft. I mean, I, I, I don't want to see draft capital. They're both first-round pick and Waddle was ahead. But Smith has that Heisman Trophy pedigree with himself. I think he's going to be the long-term better play. It, it'll be interesting – Here's why I say Waddle because one, I expect him to last a little bit longer in the NFL. I think the size of Devonta Smith does matter when it comes to longevity as far as his 
lack of thereof of muscle mass when it comes to that. I think Tua Tagalovoa will be around with the Miami Dolphins longer than Jalen Hurts will be. I think the Eagles quarterback position will be in flux to some degree after this season because Jalen Hurts is just not a good quarterback. He's great for fantasy. We're gonna excite we're gonna hype him up for fantasy. He's not a good NFL quarterback. I don't expect him to be the starter after that. So we have to see exactly what they're going to do in that regard. And I trust the Miami Dolphins regime and organization in general. There's a very real chance that Jalen Waddle could not just be the number one receiver starting next year, which I think is a given, but he could be the number one receiver starting this season because we know Devontae Parker gets dinged up and we know that Will Fuller always gets dinged up. So there's a real chance he could assert himself early on this year on top of it. I like Devonta Smith where, where he fell. He'll be the number one target on the Philadelphia Eagles no matter what. But there's a lot of other things in flux. Let me take the better regime, the better quarterback, the better staff overall, the better floor. And plus, Jalen Waddle, I think, is going to wind up being, within the next couple of years, one of the most electrifying wide receivers in the NFL because of that game-breaking speed that he has. All right, Adam, now you can make your case going back to you. See, and I like that you said uh, the the thing about his floor, because I think the short term, and this is why I had Devonta Smith higher, because I had them very, very close. But I, I like in the short term, just because of sheer volume, uh, I, I really do like Devonta Smith more as the short term play. Of course, uh, Fuller uh, will be out the first six weeks, so that will help uh, Waddle early on. But after that, I is mean... Is that the I, first six weeks? I thought it was just week one. Uh, Fuller? Oh, is he? Regardless, he's out for... Part of the beginning least, yeah. of the season. Yeah. So that will give Waddle a chance to be, you know, we'll see him as at least the second target. Uh, but then for the rest of the season, we'll see him as the third target. Then, yeah, afterwards, it'll be just him and, and Parker. Uh, we'll, we'll lose Fuller from the equation. And that'll that'll be great for him for sure. But I, I know that Devonta Smith, as long as he's in Philadelphia, regardless of, of who's at quarterback, will end up being the wide receiver one unless something, you know, terrible happens, which I don't foresee happening uh, for his size. He's been, you know, he's had uh, relatively no major injury history. I was just going to ask you real quick, Adam, as a Colts fan, and we got, you know, the Eagles have a coach from the Colts tree. When's the last time your number one receiver has been featured as a true number one receiver? Uh, that would have been the last year of TY and luck, but also I think that was the last time. 2018. But I think that's the last time we had a quarterback capable of of having a true fantasy-relevant wide receiver. Same coaching staff? Yeah, same coaching staff. I I look at the Eagles. I I feel like it's the same coaching staff, but you have have a -a one-of-a-kind player, though. I don't think they've had a player like him on the team in the last three, four years, have they? Do you? I, I don't. I don't know. Adlerhorn was. No, well, my point yeah. is the Colts yeah. isn't so much that they don't have a true number one receiver. I think Ty Hilt was kind of that guy in a sense, but I think that they don't really primarily feature the receivers as much as a lot of other teams would. They use their tight ends a lot. They use running backs a lot. Um, so I, I question what a true number one receiver in that offense really looks like. That's all mm. I'm asking. Oh, okay, I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I will say this: I do think Devonta Smith by default will be that guy because there's nobody else to be had. I, I mean, you you guys all know how I feel about Jan Blager. He's a one-trick pony who's not even that elite as one trick. So I, I I will give you that part of it. Again, it goes back to I Jalen Waddle for the long run, I think just protects out more for me. So let's go back to the rankings. Now we got that out of the way to make our case. You guys decide who wins that debate. <clears throat> it was me and Chris. Um, anyway, so number three, we all got a little mixed up at number three. I went to Vonta Smith. 
You guys went Waddle. So we're just going to punch this to Chris because he's the only one who's really kind of different in this scenario. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I, I kind of you know, spoke my piece about you, you. Outside receivers are actually featured in that offense. Um, you talked about not having anybody. I'm not really about John Rieger. I'm so worried about – I'd be worried about Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders stealing a lot of his touches. Um, I think that when I look as a receiver, as a true number one, I look for a guy who's going to get you know a lot of targets. I think that Bateman, in my opinion, profiles a lot like Michael Thomas does. I think he is the future of the Ravens' offensive receiving core, either they keep Marquise Brown or not, who's going to be in the contract here next year. Um, and I think that he's going to be the guy that they feature, they use, and he'll be the one they kind of primarily um, – Build their game plan around. We saw kind of with Crabtree and Forty Nine ers with Greg Roman. We saw Sammy Watkins in Buffalo with Greg Roman, and I think that you're going to see something similar with Bateman, where he's kind of the guy that's you know the target monster. And I'm also much more bullish on that Lamar Jackson being a good thrower than a lot of people seem to be. But I think Jalen Hurts is not the answer at the quarterback position that I think Lamar Jackson is. Are they going to let Lamar Jackson throw the ball enough? I think that's more the question than anything else. Now maybe because they actually have actual weapons. They will, but it still think, has to be yeah. seen at this point. Sure. Um, I think the weapons help a lot, but I also think that the contract's going to help a lot. We see most of these quarterbacks, when they get that, that big contract, suddenly they're not asked to run quite as much. They're suddenly they're asked to throw the ball a lot more than they had initially been. Uh, Kyle Kaepernick in a lot of ways. Um, so I do. I, don't, you know, I think that Lamar actually will be a guy who can handle the more passes. When we see other guys, maybe they shouldn't have been given that chance. But I think usually that second contract, you usually see these quarterbacks not he's quick to run and their coaching stance much more adept in making sure they throw the ball and check it down or have the easy throws to kind of get rid of the ball so they don't get that beating because you don't lose your $40 million quarterback. Yeah, but you bring up Colin Kaepernick, and one of his biggest downfalls is that Greg Roman went too pass-happy, went too spread. He does that with Lamar. While I agree Lamar's a little bit of a better thrower, it's still going to end up in the same way. You can't, you can't all he's of a sudden a go five thrower. wide. You can't still he's still not accurate enough to go five wide and expect him to dick it dunk it down the field. That that can't be the offense. So what he did in San Francisco can't happen. Otherwise, it'll have the same catastrophe. I mean, what do you think, Chad? I think Lamar is a better quarterback. Look how many touchdowns he's thrown in the last two years. It's it I know that number's ridiculous. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's up there with the with all the other top quarterbacks. I also am high on Lamar this year. I think he is gonna come out guns a blazing. Rashad Bateman is going to be that target monster, like Chris said. I'm, I think he's going to get snuck by touchdowns from, from, um, from Mark Andrews. Andrews, but I do feel that Bateman will be the guy, and we'll see, if, we'll see how Marquise Brown does, but I don't consider Marquise Brown really a threat to Bateman's production. It's, it's, so Rashad Bateman, I mean, uh, Chad going to Rashad Bateman's defense, going to Chris's defense, but you got him down at five, tied with Adam. You two are the lowest of the group when it comes to Rashad Bateman because of this guy, Elijah Moore, that yeah. you guys both have at number four. So go ahead, talk to me about Elijah Moore. Why is he ahead of Rashad Bateman in your guys' eyes? Well, I'll start things off while I'm on the same, talk, same path here. I mean, Elijah Moore is – he is – He's killing it in training camp right now. There is nothing but great reviews. I do not I do not see anyone else on that team who is going to be able to outperform him. I know Crowder's still there. I don't know what's going on with that though. I mean, they can release him and, and get so much more so much more space in the cap, but he's not even if he's there, I do not think he's gonna be an issue with Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore's more electric. 
at the end of the day, Crowder, what well, he he hasn't had a, an outstanding career, and I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna start anytime soon. Good, Adam. I'll let you make your case too. Well, you know how bullish I have been on on Elijah Moore this entire draft process. I've been in on Elijah Moore since like January. I love the kid. Uh, I think he's one of the crispest route runners in the class. Uh, just all around really great player. His comeback route is phenomenal. I can talk about him all day. But at the end of the day, I really do think he's going to be a PPR machine. And I think that's really where this is going to be a little different because I think overall, yeah, you're probably going to see uh, Rashad Bateman maybe be a better standard player because I think they'll probably end up with more touchdowns. But I, I think Elijah Moore, you talk a year or two out, and you know we're all uh, Zach Wilson fans here, or for the most part, uh, I think he could genuinely be someone that's getting 80 receptions a year, two years down the line. Uh, and even early on, I think he's going to be very productive. Uh, I, I just think he's going to be a PPR monster. I think even early on, he'll probably play in the slot. Uh, and I, I think, um, you know, Zach Wilson might have to be checking down a lot early on. So overall, I just think he's going to be, I think he's going to be super productive. I do love Bateman. I think people are, like you said, Chris, um, underrating Lamar's ability to throw, especially to the outside. I, I think pe- people aren't respecting what Lamar is capable of, uh, but I just really love Elijah Moore. <laughs> well, look, I don't, I'm not going to try to come all on this on the side of like anti Elijah Moore or anything yeah. like that, but it's just the, when I project these guys out, Rashad Bateman has a skill set to me that sets up for him to be a prototype number one wide receiver, where I think Elijah Moore is always going to have to be in the right role. I think he's always going to have to be in that slot role. I don't want him playing on the perimeter too much. Where Rashad Bateman, I think there's nowhere on the field he can't go. And it's going to here, and that's that's where the hard part comes in. It's why I do actually have them very, very close because I have to see the Ravens actually throw the ball enough to keep a wide receiver relevant consistently. And I do believe the Jets will actually be able to do that, but I believe in the talent of Rashad Bateman and the touchdowns that come with a Lamar Jackson at the very least. That's why I have him a notch ahead. As far as this year's concern, Jamison Crowder, he's a double-edged sword in a sense. They want to keep him. Because if they didn't want to keep him, they would have cut him June 1st. They want to keep him. They want him to take that pay cut, but they want they ultimately they would like to keep him. So I do think that's going to delay the Elijah Moore to some degree. But even if they keep him, we uh, Chris and I talked about this on, on the NBC News football show on Friday. He's got a four to one injury ratio rate. It means every four games he plays, he's he's missing at least one. He's gonna miss probably three to four games this season, and that's going to be the tipping point. When he's out and Elijah Moore comes in. What happens then? Do they actually go back to Jamison Crowder after that point? So there's a sense where even this year we could see Elijah Moore overtake him. But even in that fold, I don't expect him to have a big rookie season whatsoever. Bateman could be the number one starting this year. That That's a very real possibility. Go ahead, Chris. Put, throw your two cents in. Well, I mean, I'm I'm actually going to defend Elijah Moore to a degree here. I think I'm a big fan of Elijah Moore also. Adam kind of got me, got me all excited about him. Um, I mean, I think Bateman's. I think profiling uh, it comes down to for me for Bateman why he's my number one. So I think you said, you said he profiles as the true number one. Elijah Moore though is going to be highly productive. The reason I have him only at five, and a little bit lower, is because kind of to your point, I think the first two years he's going to have a try, is going to have a hard time trying to get his his, his touches in a sense. Um, Corey Davis is going to be there at least two years for the Jets. I, I'm a big Denzel Mims fan, um, so I think Denzel Mims is going to be a guy who's going to get a red zone target and get a guy who gets a lot of the balls thrown to him too. So I think I like Elijah Moore a lot, and I like his talent. I think he just has 
wait a little bit longer than these other guys that I have in my top five before him to kind of eat. Um, but I do think overall, he's good. I think he reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson. I think he's going to have a, lot, a similar kind of career path in a sense where those first two years are kind of more quiet. But then he's going to hit, when he hits his niche, he's going to blow up. Um, so I think he's actually, you know, I, I, I got to credit Adam for that because I was not a big Elijah Moore fan initially, but I had to go back and watch more tape when he kept talking about how much he loved him. And I, I kind of fell in love too. Hmm. All right. So we move on. And we all pretty much have Rondell Moore six. Chad has him seventh. So Chad, you're gonna have to state your case as to why Terrace Marshall is above the truth. You can't handle the truth. Why is Terrace Marshall one spot ahead of Rondell Moore? I have him in one spot ahead because he can play the inside. He can play the outside. I love his height. I love his physicality. I think him with his connection with with the coaching staff is go, is fundamental in his his development in the, his first year or two at his sophomore season in the NFL. I mean, where everyone's been talking already how Robbie Anderson's contract's up this uh, coming season. That right there is awesome news for anyone doing a, a dynasty draft. You want someone like that to just be able to slide right in and get into that number two spot behind DJ Moore or and Christian McCaffrey. So I'm I'm really high on him, but that's not to say I do not think Rondell Moore is going to be good. Rondell Moore, I think he's going to absolutely kill it at the first at the first bit of the season until people catch on him. If this was March, I would have fought you tooth and nail. But because we know where Rondell Moore landed, I'm not going to fight you that hard. I don't love the Arizona landing spot. Everyone else does. Everyone else is a big, big, big fan. They're like, oh, he's going to be the number two with DeAndre Hopkins and it's Cliff Kingsbury. And I can't think of the show now off the top of my head. And I wish I could because I would want to credit them with this. But this was the best term I've ever heard be used to describe Cliff Kingsbury. And that is he's a fake innovator. Meaning everyone thinks that he's this offensive genius, and he's not. He's as simplistic as it comes. And Kyler Murray's not a great thrower of the ball. He's not a great actual quarterback. So I'm not going to fight you too hard. Now, Rondell Moore is a tremendous wide receiver. I think he is a unprecedented wide receiver, and he will be unprecedented and unique in a very, very good way, where he will he will set a new barometer for guys who come up with similar athletic and, and and height and weight size profiles behind him because of what I believe he's able to do with his route running ability. That's why I still have him ahead of Terrace Marshall, let's say. But I had him squarely in my top five, and I had a little bit of a gap between him and Elijah Moore going into this process. I have Elijah Moore now ahead of Rondale Moore because of the landing spot. So this is where I'm not going to fight you too hard tooth and nail. Uh, what do you guys think, Adam and Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm a I'm a huge Rondell Moore fan. Um, I think that he's explosive. I think he he's great with the ball in his hands. I don't hate the Arizona fit necessarily. I'm not. I I agree with you, Kyler. I definitely agree with you, Kingsbury. It's, it's definitely not an air raid offense. It's nothing even close to an air raid offense. It's not innovative. It's not changing anything. It's Chip Kelly who's last but two years in San Francisco when it's just there was no huddle. That was a big big wrinkle. Um, I think that you look at a guy who's going to be. Get the ball checked down to him a hell of a lot, though, because one thing I do see right now is Arizona does captain check down all day. Collar doesn't look to have to push the ball down in the field a lot. That's why Hopkins' yards per catch went way down. Fitzpatrick basically, not I'm sorry, not Fitzpatrick, Fitzgerald has basically been a, you know a four-yard guy turn around and catch the ball. I think Rondell Moore is going to be used a lot in similar routes and a lot of option routes with that. So I think he's going to be highly productive PPR-wise because he's going to Arizona. I question whether he gets to be truly featured necessarily, but I think he's going to be very productive and a great player. Terrence Marshall, I think, has a good fit with the coaching staff, as you know, Chad kind of alluded to. 
but I also am not a big Terrence Marshall fan. I don't think he runs good routes. I think the, he might be more productive in the red zone because it's just because it's your height and you'll see a lot of third corners as well um but i think when it comes down to explosiveness Rondell morris is too explosive of a guy it reminds me basically of mini tyree kill in a lot of ways tyree kill but built like dk matt Claff, metcalf <laughs> in, in a smaller version like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's move on here let's get some more of our sleepers Get to more of this territory of guys that, like they weren't obvious. They didn't have super high draft capital necessarily. All depended upon fit. This is where our rankings start to kind of differ quite a bit more. We'll start with Chris because he has he's not only is he the only one who has Des Fitzpatrick in his uh, top ten now. Chris, I'm going to say this is probably pre Julio. Yes, this was pre Julio trade, so that that definitely would change that graphic to a degree for me. But I'll still make when my you drop out your top ten. <laughs> Would he, would he drop out of your top I, 10? I, after I say no because I still think he'll only is about a year and a I think that you're going to see him become the key slot receiver. So I still say no. I don't think I'd take him out of the top 10 for me, but I think you'd definitely take him down. I, I switch him to Marshall Duck for sure. All right. So we won't, we won't pick your bones about that too much because we did make this list before uh, that trade came through. So what we'll do is we'll talk about our eight spots because we're all different. I have Diami Brown, Chris, you have Terrace Marshall, Adam, you got Amari Rogers, Chad, you have Kadarius Tony. Let's start with Chad Kadarius Tony at eight and why he is in. I think you know, no, you and Adam do have both have him in your top ten, but why you have him in your top ten ahead of Amari Rogers, ahead of a Nico Collins. Despite his uh draft capital, which is absolutely important when it comes to players, it, it really is. There's stats to to showcase that. He has unbelievable speed. I, I believe he could be – it will be tough to be an instant um, asset to fantasy football this year. There are so many mouths to feed on that team. But if, there, if there's an injury or two like there has in the last couple of years, he has an opportunity to really put up numbers, especially in PPR. I think he I, – I, I was reading an article on uh, Reddit, I believe, where – in the Jaguars subreddit where – he was actually their Jaguar's second highest graded player below Trevor Lawrence. So he they see something in him, and I think New York sees something in him that a lot of people don't. And they a lot of people believe him to be a reach. And I don't think he really is. I think he's gonna impress a lot of people. They want him to be that Tyree kill. My my joke would be that only Urban Meyer would be dumb enough to think that he's the <laughs> one player behind Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> but that's, I'm not saying you are, Chad. I'm just saying Urban Meyer is reporting in one player below Trevor Lawrence. It's been questionable, in that questionable decisions he made. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, when it comes to Darius Tony, for, for me, I, I agree with you, Chad, in the sense of he's going to have an opportunity this season because Sterling Shepard's not going to play 17 games. You know, He hasn't played a full season. It's not going to happen. So the idea that he might be a starting receiver in the slot at some point this year is a very real possibility. This is where I flip it, though. I don't think he can run a lick worth of routes. I don't think he's actually a good wide receiver. I think he's nothing but a gadget player. And ultimately, that's what hinders him on top of the fact that you have Daniel Jones who has to see you come open. It's either I'm throwing a jump ball to the perimeter or I have to see you come open. Kadarius Tony's not a good enough route runner for him to see him come open. There's no anticipation there. And maybe Daniel Jones is gone after this year. That that's going to depend on whether David Gettleman's going after this year because if David Gettleman's still there. I think Daniel Jones will probably wind up still being there, and that's my problem. Ultimately, I think this is I think Kadarius Tony's probably one of the guys that I have pinned 
as the top notable bust for the first round. Adam, Chris, I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, I also kind of I have a sinking feeling he's going to end up being a bust. I'm not a Tony fan. I had him at nine on my list, uh, as you'll see, but that's largely off of that draft capital is because he's going to repeatedly get opportunities, at least during his rookie contract. And I do think, and this, I agree with you currently, he is an awful, atrocious route runner. But I do think he has quick enough feet where he could. there's a non-zero chance out there that he develops in that category. And otherwise, I mean, he, he's not too far out of being the RB2 on the, the Giants at this point. Um, overall, I think they're going to force getting the ball into his hands. I'm not sure if it'll be as a receiver. I'm uncomfortable with that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it – I'm not going to take a fourth round receiver over a first round receiver in a, a rookie draft. Uh, I wouldn't take Tony before the end of the second. Personally, that's just where I value him. It honestly probably close to the third, but uh, yeah, I, I do think at some point you just have to take the, the draft capital. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily disagree with, with, with you there. Let's talk about Nico Collins and we'll gang up on Chad. You and I will gang up on Adam and Chris for not playing a guy who actually might be the number one target on his team in their top ten. Uh, I'll 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 start. Uh, Nico Collins might be the number one target on his team in the top ten. Guys, come on, like, come on. Like Brandon Cooks, yes, he'll lead the way, but this is going to be a terrible team. And Nico Collins profiles out to be a better red zone threat. We'll see. I don't care if it's Tyra Taylor. I don't care if it's Deshaun Watson. That defense is horrendous. They're going to have garbage time starting halfway through the first quarter. So I'm just seeing volume. I think Neil Collins is actually legitimately a good prospect as well. This isn't just because he fell into the right situation. He profiles out to be a good perimeter, red zone targeted, wide receiver. And he fell into the one situation where he could start right away in a crazy organization where I think he's not just going to be the bona fide starter this year, but also next year and next year when Brandon Cooks moves on, Nico Collins has a real chance to just gobble up that volume and have one of the safest floors of anybody really out there. When we're talking about these top 10 rookie wide receivers, I'll kick it to Adam and then we'll kick it to Chad and then we'll finish off with Chris. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Uh, mine was actually, I just really don't love Nico Collins. I think it is a great landing spot for him. You're right. He's definitely going to pop in be the wide receiver too. Uh, now if it's not Deshaun, that's going to be a problem because uh, Tyrod's not exactly known for being an aggressive passer. But to me, I I do I think in the red zone he could be productive. But past that, I just see him as a bit of a deep threat, deep threat red zone guy, and that's kind of where his his limits are to me. Uh, and I just wasn't willing to to give that role, uh, you know, above some of these other guys. Uh, I I do think though that you're right about the volume in year one, especially if they're in garbage time second half, which they will be a lot. But I mean, if that's Anyone other than Watson, I don't really know how much it matters. <laughs> Tyrod might just end up running. I think Tyrod is an okay quarterback. He's at least he's at least shown he can get his top targets the ball. All right, Chad, come on. You know what? Like you have it's the volume, man. He's gonna get it. He's going to a team where there's a void there, and I know that the quarterback's not the best, but he's got to throw it to someone, and you're gonna throw it to your best guy. Cooks is going to get that top coverage. He's going to, he's already there. Um, um, then you, 
the running you have what seventy running backs. They're 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 going to take targets away from him. But it is what it is. He's he's in a position where I think he has a he has a good enough prospect coming in. He's good with man to man coverage, and he's going to be able to get make things happen with little work. I will say. Breaking news. Just want to throw a little bone out there for uh, the Elijah Moore people there. Connor Hughes noting that Elijah Moore has been the most impressive player in OTAs, and it's not even close. I just want to throw that little bone out there for you guys. Go ahead, Chris. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. Okay. Um, so I was going to throw another name out for you for the last couple of years that we've dealt with, and Miles Boinkin from the Ravens receiver. Miles Boinkin's about to be out of the, off a different team more than likely next year or two. I think Nico Collins is the same kind of profile as a, as a receiver. I think he's a big guy that can get down the field. He's got good athleticism. But he was not productive in college. And when you look at when it comes to his ability to catch the ball, he's a little bit consistent. He doesn't run the greatest, greatest routes. And finally, yes, he'll hit the volume this year, but because I question Houston's future in general, I don't know if the regime will have a whole different change. And he's a fourth-round pick. He's not somebody they invested a first-round pick or a high pick. And this third, fourth-round receivers are highly – you know, flammable in a lot of ways where they can get, they can kind of be run out of the off teams or forgotten about in, in, in the season or two. So just because he's the guy this year is why I don't think necessarily he's going to be have a long-term future for that team. And like I said, I talked about, well, I just don't think he's a highly productive receiver overall. He's a good, he's a good height, uh, weight measurement guy, speed guy. But I think you have a lot of things you have to kind of improve before you can actually be a productive receiver as a pro. He's raw, but we're talking about our sleeper territory. So Chris, are you going to put Des Fitzpatrick over Nico Collins and make that argument to me, really? <laughs> I wouldn't if I if I had to change out my my receivers. Nico Collins would not replace Des Fitzpatrick. I'll just tell you that. Yeah, you're cray cray. Anyway, <laughs> you, you tell me where Nico Collins. I'd, I'd actually have St. Brown as replacing him because that part I can I can argue with kind of more so that I think he has a, a longer stretch of being consistent and productive than Nico Collins does. Well, I was just about to say, nothing special. That kind of, but that I don't know why you guys are loving him. Fourth, fourth round, Nico Collins, though. It's arguable Brown's in the same situation as Collins, and you don't see well, one plays a slot, one doesn't play the slot. But I think that to me is the big difference. Yeah. St. Brown plays the slot and actually can run routes. I don't think Nico Collins can. We'll see. We'll we'll see. But I actually <laughs> wanted to get into St. Brown because you have two two Atwell in your top ten. And uh, why is Tutu Atwell ahead of St. Brown? Because St. Brown wasn't originally in your top 10. Uh, so you need to explain that one to me there. Well, that was that was more for, so just for you because of your hatred for Tutu Atwell. And I wanted to make sure that I got to talk about him a little bit more because you have this disdain and think he's going to be some kind of bum. 
but have a very is doo doo. Okay, two two is a very high opinion and a very excitable you know position when it comes to Deshaun Jackson's productivity in the Rams offense. So for me, Deshaun's a guy who's going to probably play. You talked about your your injury ratio. You keep overblowing that. Maybe we get two to three. Maybe we get two. Can I finish my sentence for a second? Because because what you're what you told me was. Deshaun Jackson is going to be a product player for DFS wise, right? He's going to have big games here. Therefore, he's going to play more than three games, and he will be the productive downfall down, down the field receiver. He will replace rather Woods or Cup moving forward. One of the two is not going to be both going to salaries next year or two, so they're going to remove move uh, move on from one of those guys. And I think that he has the draft capital that Chadwick's talk about that was put into him for a reason. And they have a good vision of how they want to use him. I think he's going to be very, very pair really well with Matthew Stafford and be very productive. Plus, like I said, I wanted to see you have to actually answer why Tutu Atwell is such a scrub in your opinion. Well, honestly. Good, Chad. I didn't even cut you off. I think LA. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry to say. I, I think LA has been trying to find that deep threat receiver, and they think Adwell's their guy. They they know Deshaun Jackson's not going to be around for forever. It's just to pass on his knowledge, and then he's going to be him. Yeah. Okay. First of all, Tutu Atwell's a bum. He can't run around. <laughs> he's, he's five foot nothing. He's smaller than even Rondale Moore from an overall height to weight ratio. Yeah. The, he's a he's another. Bust receiver they took along with Van Jefferson last year. And Deshaun Jackson, I'm just saying, when Deshaun Jackson is out there, he's going to allow them to play three levels of the field. That's the difference. When he's out there, I'm not saying Deshaun Jackson's going to play 17 games and he's going to be awesome and be fantastic. I'm saying when he's out there, and if you want to ask me, because we were talking about at that time, sleepers for best ball. Yes, Deshaun Jackson's a sleeper when it comes to best ball because when he's out there, he's going to be able to take the top off with Matthew Stafford. That's the difference. Tutu Atwell is garbage. Tutu Atwell, at best, at best is Andrew Hawkins. That's at best, at best. He is nothing more way than more productive than college. Way more. Productive I don't care if he was way more productive in college. He was in Louisville. They had no one else to throw and the ball to. Checked way higher I don't than care Hawkins about was his as well. in college. His, his, well, how many guys? Tim Tebow well, is almost statistic because that's why that's why I got higher. College football history. How is he as an NFL guy? Was he good? No, he wasn't. So statistics matter that much? Mm, not all the time. No, they don't. Let's move so on. Capital statistics and, and ability to run routes all don't matter, I guess. <laughs> Does it matter for Van Jefferson? Has he even sniffed the field? Will he sniff the field? Doesn't seem to have mattered all that much. I, I'm not talking about not, Van Jefferson. I'm not a Van Jefferson fan. I'm talking about Rams receivers taking the second round who don't give a damn. That, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about Diami Brown because we all have him except for Chad uh, in our top 10 at the very least. So, Chad, what are you not liking about Diami Brown? Why does he not crack your top 10? I just like the other guys more. That's really all it comes down to. I, I have Nico Collins higher than him at, at the end of the day. I think Diami Brown's right up there, though. So, I, I honestly, if, okay. if okay. you guys could convince me to take Nico Collins out, I'd just put Diami Brown right in there. I mean, I, I love I love Nico Collins as much as you do. I do have Diami Brown ahead of him. Pretty much because he fits that wide receiver core really well, in my opinion, where you have Curtis Samuel, he gets to play the slide, he'll get to play his gadget role on top of all of that. You have Terry McLaurin. Diane Brown gets to be 
the big play receiver on the opposite side of the field. And he could be that guy as, as soon as week one, because frankly, Cam Sims is just a mediocre guy. Steven Sims will be out of the picture. So I do think there's a, there's a scenario in which Diamond Brown could be a starter sooner rather than later when it comes to this season. And he fits that role really well. Now, I, I worry about Brown falling into a situation where he'd actually have to run routes or be more featured than he should be. But he fell into a perfect situation where he gets to play what he does best coming out of college anyway, which is be that big play threat on the opposite side, see the team's second, maybe even third corner, depending upon how they want to match up with Curtis Samuel and Trey McLaurin. So I just, I see an explosive upside there, which is why he definitely cracks my top 10 and longevity wise. Okay, so am I back? frozen or is he frozen? There he is. That was him. All right, I'm back. I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay. We're. I, I, I'm not gonna go with where you left me off. So, so got, Adam, Chris, talk about Diami Brown. I mean, I look at him as a guy that's been highly productive in college, um, and it was a guy that definitely can be featured more so in, as a pro. It reminds me a lot of Will Fuller in a lot of ways. I think that he's gonna be able to stretch the field. I think that he might be able to learn how to run better routes as his kind of career progresses. Um, we talked about the fit with him and McLaurin. I think he pairs up really well with them. And like I said, I'm bigger on guys who actually are productive in college. Maybe you don't care about the numbers, but Nico Collins didn't really do anything with the big size. While Nami, you know, Dami Brown actually was productive and was able to average 20 yards per catch and actually use his talent and be effective with it. Get Adam. No, yeah, I also did not have uh, Danny Brown on my list, but he would he would have been my eleven if he if he was. I definitely have him above Nico Collins, who was not on my list, uh, as we've talked about. But yeah, I, I think it was a really good landing spot for him. I just think his his ceilings kind of capped, and that was kind of what what um, pushed pushed him off of my list mm-hmm. uh, from these other guys. But I, I do think he'll be productive. I just think. I don't think he's anything ever more than a wide receiver three. I don't like even lottery ticket. He's not going to be more than that. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about sleepers when we're getting to this yeah. bottom top 10 guys anyway. So it's, it's who, who fell in the right situation, mm-hmm. who has a skill set, and who maybe has a chance to be something longevity in the long run. Uh, before we get into the tight ends, I do want to let you guys know in case you missed it, that we are running the second annual Belly Up Charity Bowl. Uh, that signups have gone live because we're past the June 1st date. All you got to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com and you'll be able to click on the tab there. Now, what you're going to be able to do with this charity bowl is that it's a $20 entry fee. You'll have a chance to win $1,200 plus $100 uh, value from Trophy Smack and you'll be able to get Four hundred, or 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 you might be able to get four hundred dollars for second place if you win your league, which will be seventeen leagues. You'll win your twenty dollars entry fee back. There's going to be over two hundred teams taking place in this tournament. That will allow us to make over a two thousand dollars donation to the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation in our help towards fighting childhood cancer. So I hope you guys can all sign up again. It's only twenty bucks. It's a best ball league, so all you have to do is draft, and then you don't have to worry about the rest of the year. So it's not a time commitment from that sense. 
So a big shout out to Alex Lemonade Stand. Thank you for partnering with us uh, on this. And we hope that we will have all you guys. You'll be competing against pretty much everybody you see here uh, along with that. So guys, make sure you check that out as for a really great cause. We should actually have a charitable foundation made for the tight ends because that was brutal trying <laughs> to drink. So we all have Kyle Pitts. We don't need to talk about Kyle Pitts. We kicked off the show with no Kyle way. Pitts. <laughs> the only person who's different when it comes to second is Chris, a Hunter Long. Now, the Hunter Long's, did his, 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 not his position, uh, did his location where he landed, did that cement for you or did you a little waver a little bit with Pratt Freeman going to the Steelers? Uh, I mean, I I like Vermouth going to the Steelers. I think it's a good fit. But I don't necessarily – it didn't change my view on Hunter Long so much because I think the fit's actually good for him in Miami. I think Gusecki's not going to be the tight end next year, and they're going to move on. Hunter Long has kind of the opportunity to get that job now, moving what, forward. What makes you think they're going to move on? Because they keep talking about they're going to move on from Gusecki next year. That's why they drafted Hunter Long. I have heard yeah. this too. Mm-hmm. Now, they talk about moving on from Gusecki because they wanted to trade away Kyle Pitts. Since they've drafted Hunter Long, I have not heard one thing about them talking about wanting to move on from Mike Gusecki after that, after not after giving up on drafting Kyle Pitts in the first round. They haven't talked to any extension from him. They haven't even had any kind of contract talks, and they're not preferred to be probably not going to have any contract talks, so I don't know why they wouldn't if they were planning on bringing him back. But Hunter Long's a replacement. I think so. <laughs> Long term, I would say it could be a long term. Yeah, maybe not short term, but long term. Yeah, I'm not I saying Gusecki goes anywhere this year, but next yeah. year when they don't pay him because they're not going to pay a tight end Janu Smith money, and they don't want to pay him that much money because they think they want to make actually block a little bit better. They're going to so move that, on. That from would him. that would be the key for me is how much money do we think Mike Gusecki's actually going to demand next year or command? Because uh, I don't I don't see it being a Janu Smith type of contract. I don't think he's had productivity throughout an entire season at any point in his career where it would get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that he, I think this is a big year for Gusecki. He's got to really step up. If he doesn't, he's not going to get that contract. And then I think I, I would see Miami bringing in a vet tight end to go along with Hunter long. I don't think it would be the Hunter long show yet. No, I, I tend to agree. He doesn't have a special enough athletic skill set where I think they would just hand the reins over to him in, in year two. Uh, while I somewhat disagreed with this when he was coming out, Mike Gusecki, measurable-wise, was very impressive, and that's why you're willing to kind of give it to him a little bit earlier. Hunter Long, I think he's at least three years away from even being remotely what he could possibly be. I, mean, I don't know. Adam, what, what's your take on this? Well, I have Hunter Long by far the lowest of anyone on on the the, the chart. Uh, I am not really interested in him. Uh, I think he can get the seam pretty well, and I think he's an all right blocker. I think that is about it. Um, I, I was not impressed. I didn't realize this. Adam has Hunter Long eighth. He, I was like, okay, I thought I was. I'm not even that far low on him as far as that goes. Wow, you're really not a fan of Hunter Long. I I mean, I just first of all, like we were talking pre-show. I think Pat Freermuth, all of these guys below Freermuth are fifth rounders or priority free agents in a rookie draft in Dynasty. I don't I think any of the rest of them are people that should be drafted. Pat, like before 508. Yeah, None of I them. tend to agree. So yeah, at that point, I would rather get one of these guys on my taxi squad that I think is either going to be blow up or fizz out than someone who might be 
a low-end or a mid-end tight end too is my thought process there. I, I can't. I, I don't disagree with that thought process. Even, even I could I could throw Freemuth into that too. Just, just that's how unimpressive this tight end class in general to me is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why Chris keeps beating the drum that he's not only does he think that Hunter Long is number two, but he also thinks that Hunter Long is legitimately going to be the starting tight end for the Dolphins. I think that's laughable. There, he, there's nothing on tape. There's no measurables that project this guy out to actually be an NFL starter. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Okay, because <laughs> how how is that? How is there nothing that projects that he cannot be a starter, Dan? Explain that to me, because you're trying to tell me that you have a some he's kind one of the lowest rating. He's not particularly athletic. He doesn't have a great mm-hmm. uh, catch radius for being a bigger tight end. Uh, what am mm-hmm. I missing? Well, I, once again, production, because you, you seem to hate stats and numbers, so I guess production doesn't matter again. So <laughs> we'll throw that out the window. So I don't know what else we're supposed to be looking at because usually guys who run pretty good 40s for his size and run good seam routes and have been reductive in college tend to transition pretty decently to the pros. I don't know what you thought Will Disley was going to be when he came out. But he actually surprised a lot of people about being productive. Was that he something did. you scouted beforehand? Or I'm new? not a Will Disley fan. So well, just, my point is, is that you don't know how Titans going to materialize necessarily guaranteed. Now, I'm, I say he'll be the starting job, yes, for Miami because that's what they drafted him to do. Pat from Ruth won't be the starter this year. Will he be the starter next year? Possibly. We'll see. But do you guys know that for sure? So what what, what's, what tape do you have? What numbers do you – what measurables do you have that makes Pat from Ruth so awesome? Because I'm not really seeing that on tape either. I don't see the production. I don't see that he ran a better 40 than Long did. And I don't see that he's a better blocker. I'll give him that he's a better blocker. I'll give him that. But I don't know if fantasy rewards you for blocking. But, he he okay. runs better routes too. He's got better hips than 100. 100 Long has no hips. Zero hips. Chad, what, okay. were you, what were you going to say? I was going to say about Gesecki there. He, uh, as an o- a Gesecki owner and someone who does deep dives into tight ends, like it is, he he fought competition in the slot. He was being used in the slot, and he's not going to put up those numbers when he has another wide receiver. I think it might have been Isaiah Four. I can't remember now, but who kept coming in and taking away all his all those targets that were his. That's why some weeks he would blow up because he'd be the guy featured there. Other weeks he wasn't, and that is a huge issue with Gasecki. I don't see Hunter Long outshining him to take that away, but I also don't think Gasecki's in a position where he's going to be able to earn a massive contract to keep him around. So if they keep him in, I think the only way Gasecki will be on the team is if he doesn't take a big contract. And if he uh, chooses to leave, they're going to bring someone else in. It's not going to be the Hunter Long show. I, I, I tend to agree with that. All right. We can move in to uh, some other tight ends that we're going to disagree with because we got plenty. You know, why not, why <laughs> not argue about... What do you mean talk about more about Pat from Ruth? Well, I just want to hear... Well, I want to hear everybody's kind of rationale why these guys all have him so high because I, I don't see it. <laughs> well, um, I already talked. Go ahead, Adam. My differentiator is... I do agree. I think is I wouldn't go to the, maybe the same extent that you did, Dan. But I do think his hips are better, and I think he is an ever so slightly better route runner. I don't think either of them are like more than a D plus at route running. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think they're either of them are good at it. What separates Pat Fermuth to me is one, I do feel confident that he was drafted as the the heir to Ebron. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Switching and saving with GEICO is easy. So you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like if a person can get discombobulated, does that mean the rest of the time they're just like combobulated? Are we humans always in a state of combobulation? Until, of course, something dramatic happens and we are discombobulated for a while. Then we go back to being combobulated. Yeah, that's probably how that works. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. Uh, I just, I don't know. I feel confident in that. And then two, I do think, yeah, yeah, I do think he is, uh, I think he's good after the catch. I route running. I think he's really only going to get open running the seam, but I think he's good after the catch. And I think he'll at least stay around long enough that maybe he can develop other skill sets. Uh, I don't know. Once again, I think he's like a early fourth, late third kind of guy, but that is why I have him above, above all these other guys. And Adam, on that with uh, with Fairmouth there, he Juju is most likely not going to be on the team next year. That's another mm-hmm. huge hole to be filled. There's going to be a lot of targets that are going to need to be uh, sp- placed Especially around. In the middle Even, of the field. Exactly. And that's the type of quarterback that's in Pittsburgh. So that's why I have – Chris, that's why I do have him higher. I'm not the biggest Fairmouth fan by all means, but I just think his situation in, the, in year two – and three are going to be pretty good. Let's talk about somebody that we will probably all agree with that is the only, I don't know, tight end I could say once you get past the top three that I think I'm excited about from a sleeper standpoint, which is Kylan Granson because of the situation that he fell into. Mm-hmm. So we'll kick it off with Adam being the Colts fan there. What's your outlook for Kylan Granson? Why is he a sleeper in all of our eyes, frankly? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's... He is, he's as close to like we've talked about comps or potentially, especially in the uh, the media world, not always the best. He is Trey Burton. That is what Kylan, <laughs> Kylan Granson is. Like he is going to be Frank Reich's new, new and younger, shinier Trey Burton. And with Moali Cox is getting up there and he's starting to, for some reason, despite the fact that he was brought in to be this re- receiving threat with his athletic background. Somehow Frank Reich is finding a way to pigeonhole him as mostly a blocker and possession guy. And Doyle, in his old age, is becoming less and less of the chain mover, the consistent hands guy that he was, and is more of just a blocker. There's not a lot of, you know, of worry of other guys being the move tight end in Frank Reich's system. Early on, it's going to be only Kylan Granson really being that move tight end. You'll see some Mo Alley Cox, but not a ton. And then long term, I don't know if either of those other guys will be there. And Frank Reichford has this crazy man crush on Kylan Granson because once again, he thinks he's Trey Burton. <laughs> and the other thing too is that they didn't really add anybody in. They brought back Mo Ali Cox, they brought back Jack Doyle, and they replaced Granson with Trey Burton. Uh, I mean, Chris, I guess the only thing would be are they ever not gonna be a three tight end committee? 
I don't know if he'll ever get a chance to truly shine by himself, but I think Trey Burton is pretty valuable in fantasy right now, especially because tight end is so you know, volatile. You're looking for that guy who's going to be the, the primary you know, pass catcher in a sense. Um, you see people year after year trying to you know, hype up a Cowboy tight end, for example, like, like Jarwin or whoever. They're always trying to have somebody looking forward to kind of step up. I think this guy has a lot of profiles as the guy who's going to be that, that move tight end, as Adam kind of alluded to, he'll play a lot of slot. He's not a blocker at all, so his job is going to be to basically catch the ball. Um, so even if he doesn't play all the snaps, it necessarily doesn't matter because we've all probably he- heavily in the passing game, which is all we're looking for fantasy-wise. Yeah, I mean, Chad, what do, what do you see when you see in a Kyle Granson? I see a pass-catching tight end, man. That's what I see. I see someone who's going to get in there and doesn't have a heck of a lot of competition with other wide receivers. I mean, that whole offense seems to just spread the ball. There's never just one guy week in and week out putting up numbers. It's always someone different every week. And I think a tight end who can get in there, be that pass catcher and come from that Frank Reich offense. Like we saw it with Zach Ertz. He, the guy, he blew up with Carson Wentz. I don't see why Granson can. The parallels are all there. We'll find out more in training camp and uh, preseason, see what he has. Yeah, I like his little skill set. Like I said, he's a sleeper who has a particular skill set on a good location where he's somebody of note. To Adam's point, though, I don't want this to get twisted. I'm not drafting him in rookie drafts. This is a guy that you're going to pick up if you're doing startup rookie drafts right now mm-hmm. uh, after the fact. But he's probably I'm going to going to aim for him over most of the others when it when it comes to that. All right, so I guess we 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 were too much on the same team on that one. So let's 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 mix it up. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's see here. Uh, Adam and Chris, you get to, uh, Adam, Chris and Chad, you get to take me on when it comes to Tommy Tremble. Cause Chad doesn't even have him in the top eight. You two have yeah. him at seven. The I have him at five, the blocking <laughs> tight end yeah. who fell into a, a great opportunity. I think actually potentially fell into the one opportunity that he might be allowed to catch the ball and play early. And, play in the Joe Brady, play in the Thaddeus, be Thaddeus Moss. I don't care if you're Thaddeus Moss. Look at the rest of these tight ends. Thaddeus Moss would be an upgrade what he did in LSU, catching touchdowns. That's all I need Tommy Tremble to do. He's going to get a chance to be a starter week one. I got a frog in my throat, so Chad, go ahead and talk, please. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm a lot higher on Dan Arnold coming in and taking that pass-catching uh, role. I, I think I, I haven't been high on Tommy Tremble since, since I was doing rookie drafts and like what was May when the actual NFL draft was happening. I have not, I do not see what you guys see in him. I think they are already set at tight end and they have better wideouts to get the ball to besides Tremble. We're not going to talk about a lot of targets here, but I mean, Dan Arnold has yeah. been a journeyman in his own right. And a lot of it because mm-hmm. he can't block. I mean, he was supposed to be the guy in Arizona and he yeah. wasn't. Max Williams wound up starting more because Max Williams could actually block, and Darren Laurel was such a liability when it comes to that. But Adam and Chris, why do you have Tommy Tremble at seven? Because I don't think yeah. they're. I'm sorry, uh, I don't think the Panthers are really looking for a a like. I think that they are content having two tight ends, a move tight end and a blocking one. I don't know how much they're even going to use the blocking one to block because it seems like they just kind of ignore the position's existence half the time. Uh, I, I think if they ever decide that they want to throw like the, I don't know what, how many targets did they give the tight end position last year? 20, 30, I'd say <laughs> half of them will go to Dan Arnold and then tremble might get the split. He might get used in the red zone. He might get 
this could be a situ- situation. I think I've brought this name up on the show before. This could be a Joseph Fourier situation where he gets like 10 receptions this year, but like four or five touchdowns. But unless he gets a touchdown, you will get a fat goose egg in your in your fantasy lineup. And I think yeah, that how many be, tight ends can you say that about? I think that will be his career at the very least until post Joe Brady. I think if you are drafting or even you know taxi squatting uh, a Tommy Tremble, you are waiting for post Joe Brady. All right, Chris, one last time for all the people, Brevin Jordan's <laughs> at three. What, what, come on. What, 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 like, what is with you in these well, tight ends? <laughs> okay. So first of all, first of all, I'm going to evaluate tight ends. Cause I'll put out Hayden Hurst versus Mark Andrews. But anyway, um, when it comes the to one time, you're right. I, the one time. And what other times have we argued about? <laughs> what other times have we argued so bad? But anyway, Jordan's yeah, good because he's actually a primary pass catcher. Um, and that he's also a guy that in the offense, we talked about why Nico Collins has value. While I question Nico Collins' actual production, I do think that Tyrod throws to his tight end. I think that Mills will throw it to his tight end. I mean, Stanford basically ran three tight ends out there most of the time in their offense as it was. Um, I think he's going to be one of the guys that can stick around. They have a decent amount of draft capital on him. And I think that he is the guy who's going to kind of be the primary, you know, move chain mover a lot of the ways where Cooks will be kind of using the outside when he moves on. We'll see what happens with the other receivers. But I think that Reverend Jordan is going to be one of the guys who's kind of gets to eat week in, week out. He's not going to overtake Jordan Akins at any point. Jordan Akins is actually legitimately a decent tight end. Mm. He's a good blocking mm. tight end. He's good in the red zone too. He dropped a lot last year. He did. He did drop yeah. a lot of passes last year, but Brevin Jordan is uh, can't block his shown shadow. So I don't know how often this <laughs> he's guy not part of this. I'm asking to block once again, like just like Ransom. I'm asking him to block. I'm asking him to catch the ball. <laughs> I see the opportunity. Like like if we're if we're high on Nico Collins for opportunity, there's no way we can not be high on Brevin Jordan for the exact same thing. There's there's a hole on that team, and someone is someone's going to fill it. We just don't know who it's going to be. It won't be Brevin. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> let's end the show on a tight end that actually matters because let's be real. After Kyle Pitts, none of these guys matter that much. This will be the last time you hear us talk about fourth string tight ends are out of the league in a year because essentially that's what it boils down to uh, ultimately. But Kyle Pitts, let's just talk about throughout Dynasty because we know he's number one. Let's talk about 2021. We'll dive more into Julio moving on. Are you going to take Kyle Pitts as a top five tight end, Adam? No, probably not. I think six to seven is where where I have him. His ADP right now is tight end seven, actually, too. All right, yeah. Then I think you. I think that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm right there. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm not going to have him in my top five. I think I'd have him in my top six or seven. Chad. Okay, top five. We're talking Kelsey. We're talking Waller, Kill. Then who's popping up there? Is it, is it going to be Andrews and then Hawkinson? Yep, that's my five. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. I, like, I'm putting, I throw Goddard in that mix. I'm putting, yeah, I'm putting be... Pitts in there. I'm putting Pitts five, and but I he will not be on my team because I don't think his ADP is going to be way too high. 
Yeah, while his ADP right now is tight end seven, and I believe in half-point PPR leagues off the top of my head, 97th overall, uh, that's also, we have to take in mind, that's pre-Julio Jones trade. Mm-hmm. The odds are that he's going to skyrocket up quite a bit to being in that top five territory. Six-round pick, man. Right. In some leagues, and yeah. I, I, I agree that he's probably going to skyrocket up to that point ADP-wise, um, which is you know where a lot of people... It's where I thought he's going to ultimately be, even with Julio Jones, because there's so many people on the Kyle pitch train to begin with. I am going to give a little bit of a teaser to what we're going to talk about on the Friday show, because, Chris, we are going to be talking about the Falcons uh, on the team profiles on Friday. I'm going to give a little teaser for it. I statted him out. I did I did some of my projections. That is one of the teams that I projected out. And it, it, it comes down to this much of a hair. If he gets – because I believe Hayden Hurst will be involved. This is going to be a two-tight end set team. Uh, so I think both of these guys are going to get involved. I have Kyle Pitts right now statted out for 65% across the board, targets, receptions, yards, and and touchdowns of the tight end share for what I project out the Atlanta Falcons to have available with Arthur Smith coming in and previous with Matt Ryan and stuff like that. If that happens, he comes out to be about my sixth, seventh tight end on the board. But if you bump it up to 70, which is a possibility, he does jump into the top five territory. And the reason why is if you bump it up to 70% of the work for the tight end position for the Atlanta Falcons, he suddenly goes from seven touchdowns to nine. He goes from 600 yards to 750 yards. He goes from 100 targets on the dot to 125, I believe it is. And he goes to about 69 receptions to 80-something receptions in that territory. So just that 5% bump. When we're not 750 yards, we're not talking about a ton of yards here, but it's the touchdowns, the combination of everything. So here's what I'm going to say about Kyle Pitts. There is definitely a scenario that he could finish in the top five, given what's available, given his skill set. But I'm going to lean on more not because I'm going to say this. Hayden Hurst is going to be more involved than people realize. I actually think he's going to be a streaming tight end too, especially when they get in close as the blocking tight end. He's going to be he's going to be on the field a lot. And it's going to take away from Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is going to have to play wide receiver quite a bit for him to be a top five tight end. Ultimately, what it boils down to for me, don't draft him at his ceiling. Because if you get a 70% of work, you're drafting him at his ceiling. If you can get him at tight end seven right now, I'm perfectly fine with that. Perfectly fine with that value with what this team could be with Matt Ryan's history, with Arthur Smith's history. Perfectly fine with that. But don't draft him at his ceiling. Because if you do, like Chad pointed out, you're talking fourth, fifth, sixth round. You're passing up very valuable wide receiver twos, RB twos in that situation. And there's still going to be a wide gap between a Travis Kelsey, a Darren Waller, and everybody else that you name at the tight end position. So you don't that gap is not is not worth going over that guy in those rounds because the gap is going to be too great between you and the elite guys anyway. Load up the wide receiver running back position. If you can give it tight end seven, which is more like the eighth, ninth round, then fine. But I, I anticipate that ADP flying up the board. That breaks me. my heart. It really does. I want him on my teams. <laughs> I just don't think I'm going to be the guy to, to pull the trigger. No, it just it just leaves an uneasy <laughs> feeling. I love it Pitts. Does. I love his athletic skill set, but... Evan Ingram has been the best rookie tight end, not just last 10 years, last 20 years. And he was the number one target period on his offense when that happened. And even then he finished at fifth, but barely, he was literally five points ahead of the next guy. I just don't, I'm not going to draft a guy to be top five in his rookie year at tight end position. 
That's it. That's all. Guys, I think it was a great show, and we're done. I think we're done with the rookies, at least, you know, and as far as Dynasty Talks go. Adam and Chris are going to be the main host of the show the next time we come around in two weeks. We'll be transitioning, like I said, getting ready more for 2021. So we're going to see how that goes when I hand over the keys of the kingdom and Chris gets to hog the mic and yell at me a little bit more. <laughs> but Adam, how are you doing? Where can we follow you? What are you working on? Tell the people, let them know. Yep, you can follow me. I have my my Twitter handle on the, the screen now, at LaRue Adam. Uh, I am still hard away working on my, my running back rankings. Like I said, I want to have uh, my write-ups on all the 36 running backs that I want to talk about. Uh, I want to have the write-up for each of them done before I release the first one, just so I know it gets up in a timely manner. <laughs> um, so I'm working on that. I'm hoping that that starts to get out next week. But I've also there's a couple of side projects I've started to look at, so maybe maybe not, maybe maybe <laughs> not. We'll see. It'll get out soon. Something will be out soon. <laughs> Chad, where we can follow you at, man? What do you have coming? I know you're working on some stuff too. Yeah, guys, you can follow me at FF Coffee Break on Twitter there, and I am working on a piece on three tight end breakouts. Sleeper breakouts. So guys who you don't have to spend a 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th round pick on. You can wait till the end of your draft, most likely. Yeah, I can't wait for that because the one thing I've been seeing as I've been statting out the teams, statting out the players, is that tight end should not be the wasteland that it was a season ago. So another reason why you shouldn't spend up. Uh, Chris, what are we going to be talking about on Friday, man? We're doing a team profiles. We're breaking down all the teams. We're looking at the different coaches and our projections kind of moving forward. Um, we're using your injury ratio to kind of evaluate how guys kind of finish. We project them to kind of play how many games we expect them to play in the 17 game season and kind of taking those numbers and also taking some of their, you know, the off season moves and kind of reviewing what's going on, the new coaches, the schemes fit, do these numbers add up and looking at kind of how we take this moving forward to kick off our fantasy season. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get into the numbers, getting the idea of where these guys are truly valued at. We're going to be talking about the Eagles, the Bengals, the Falcons, and the Broncos on Friday's show from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That'll be coming up this Friday. So you guys, please all tune in for that. Tune in tomorrow night because the Belly Up Fantasy live baseball stream will be up at 9 p.m. Eastern here at Belly Up Fantasy on your social medias. So make sure you go ahead and give them a check out too. Guys, take care. We're going to see you in two weeks. Be easy until then. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. 